Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spooky AF. My name is Rob, and today I'm joined by my co-host Suze. Hey guys. How, how are you doing today, Suze? Uh, you know, it's, um, it's another day, and I still haven't won the Euro Millions, so we are where we are. We are where we are. That is the, the, the motto for this podcast. <laughs> that's, that's the motto for 2023. Like, I guess we're here now. Uh, yeah, a millennial in 2023. We are where we are. Yep. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the, today's episode. And it's been a pain in the hole to, uh, to research this one. I've, I've spent time consulting a book, feeling like Gandalf in The Fellowship of the Ring, like consulting tomes, looking for things that have happened in the past. <laughs> been like bent over a desk. I've been like reading these books like by candlelight, making notes and, and such, being like, where, you know, where does this all lead? <laughs> Registering all over a bulletin board in your room. There's posted notes all over this book now. You know, it's uh, it's it's used, which is which is good. So it, it it's 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 been read and consulted, and I uh, I'm confident now with what I have. Yeah, today we are talking about Maynooth University. Mm. All that comes with Maynooth University. For the, anyone that doesn't know, Maynooth is a town in Ireland, close to Dublin. I suppose you could say it's where I'm kind of from. I spent my formative years living there as a, as a teenager, went to school there, and uh, met all of my current friends, basically, uh, through Maynooth. Except for Suze. Except for Suze. You know, Suze came afterwards. You know, we, we, <laughs> uh, good things come afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's a, a very cool town, Maynooth University. Has, has been around quite a while. It's a pretty cool college. It's kind of, it, it, it's a mix of old and modern, um, kind of nicely put in together. Yeah, it's a really nice place to, because I remember we went walking up there with you guys once, and it was just really nice to walk around and see all the, like, the, the new buildings that were kind of, like, very glass and light, and then to see the old stonework of the previous bygone years. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the interesting thing about, I'm going to interchangeably say St. Patrick College and Maynooth uh, University. It's now all just Maynooth University or Maynooth College. So I'm just going to talk about Maynooth and, and I'll clarify when I need to. Cool. The interesting thing about Maynooth is that previously in, in its kind of prior life, it used to be a seminary where priests would go to study and it was effectively kind of classed as like the, the head of the Catholic Church in Ireland, effectively. Hmm. Some people would even kind of go to say that it was where the kind of the real government of Ireland sat in, in that it was kind of the, the head of Catholicism in Ireland. It also, interestingly, which I discovered, is actually apparently the oldest college in Ireland, ahead of Trinity. Oh. Yeah, so I, I didn't actually know this, but apparently St. Patrick's College, there used to be like another smaller university that was there prior to Trinity College, so sometime mm -hmm. in the 16th century. And it closed down, but then reopened, I think, in the 18th century. Okay. I, I guess in some ways it technically predates Trinity, um, which is in Dublin and classed as the oldest university in Ireland. I guess technically it does, but it did close down and then reopen in, in a different sort of vein. But it's a, it's a pretty cool place. And St. Patrick's College, it, it's basically like the Catholic version of Hogwarts. It is. Yeah. Um, you know, instead of winning points for your house to win the cup, you win points for flagellation. <laughs> Jesus. Instead of carrying around your broomstick going to classes, you're carrying around your Bible. Oh. You know, there's still the consistent thing, though, of people walking around dressed in robes. Uh, that, that is the one consistent thing across the board. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is the that is the one carryover. Yeah, and they keep the guys and girls separate as well. 
So very similar to uh, Hogwarts in that sense. But yeah, it's it's a cool place. It, the buildings are lovely, really, really nice, especially in like the, the wintertime. Like it does kind of look like Hogwarts. It does kind of give off that kind of vibe of like this kind of like older building, like old school style university. It's just kind of this like warm kind of feeling when you're walking around it. It just feels nice. Mm. Even though it was the head of the Catholic Church, effectively, in Ireland for so long. <laughs> which which is a bit meh. Yeah, and some heinous shit probably went on there. But, you know, we'll glance over that because that's not what this podcast is about. No, that, that is a very different podcast. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a different type of spookiness, which we are not dealing with. No. So, yeah, Maynooth University. I, I went there. I did my master's there. As I said, I went to school there as well. I, I know people that still live there and went to university as well there. And while you're there... You hear all these ghost stories of the the old campus, the St. Saint, Saint Patrick's campus. And you kind of hear all these stories about ghosts and demons and even our boy, the devil, showing up on campus and doing just things in the past. And it, it, it's just these stories are kind of just like interwoven, I suppose, with your student experience in minutes. You, you just hear them and you kind of just know that these things happen, like that there's like haunted rooms and haunted buildings and, you know, haunted corridors. and Just whole areas where you're like fully expecting to like find yourself in a cold spot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and if you walk around the campus at night, like it, there is that kind of spooky sort of feeling that you get, you know, it, it kind of there's certain areas I, I feel anyway, when you're walking around that you kind of feel a little bit more unsettled than another uh, spots. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's a really, really interesting place. And, you know, the one thing that you'll kind of notice about Maynooth is that the people that go there are very like proud of the fact that they go there. And they like to kind of share these stories with you and let you know, basically, of the things that you can and can't do. So the the stories kind of range from, like, ghost women, like, white ladies sort of things through to, like, cursed paths that you can't walk down uh, all the way through to, as I said, the devil showing up and kind of everything in between. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, and, and the thing about this is that I suppose with it being previously a seminary for so long, you would kind of expect those stories of the devil and things like that to kind of like flow through it as well because they're dealing with those sort of topics on a daily basis anyway through their studies. Yeah, like all they're talking about is like ways you're going to get sent to hell. Yeah, and you know, the, the fear of kind of like the, the dark sort of side of things like the, like demons and the devil and the ghosts and spirits and stuff like that, you know, it is kind of interwoven in that kind of like Catholicism. So it's only natural, I suppose, that stories of hauntings and things would kind of come through from it. There are a lot of ghost stories in Maynooth, like quite a lot of ghost stories. And it's actually surprisingly difficult to research this online. It, it's almost like it's kind of like these like, it's like an oral tradition of sharing ghost stories in Maynooth rather than actually finding somewhere online that you can read about them. So it was actually surprisingly difficult to, to research these, even though I know some of the stories myself. It's been tough to actually just find this kind of one collective sort of source. One codex. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I've managed to find a, a book, which is actually a really interesting book. It's a walking tour of the ghost stories of Maynooth College. Oh, wow. Very specific. Yeah. And it's uh, from 2011. And it's it's written about walking tours that occurred in like 2010. So it's like reasonably, you know, modern. And it goes into some of the stories and things like that. And it is very, very interesting. I'm not going to go through all the stories because, as I said, there are quite a few. And, and some of them you can mention in about two sentences and then just kind of move on. There's, there's not really much to them. Um, yeah. So I've, I've chosen some of the, the bigger stories, I suppose. But I'm going to lead us into the one that everyone knows about at the end. So uh, don't worry okay. about it. The, the big one is coming. 
uh, the one that it's actually famous for. But, uh, you know, it'd be nice to give some context to it before we get there. Yeah. So uh, in Maynooth, as I said, it used to be a seminary, but there also used to be uh, an order of nuns that lived there. Hmm. Um, and they kind of ran the buildings and, and things like that. Uh, and, and, and crucially, they ran the infirmary. So there was a, a senior infirmary and a junior infirmary. So the senior infirmary, infirmary would obviously be for like elderly kind of like priests and kind of like academic staff and things like that. And right. Uh, you know, no bo- no bonus points for guessing what the junior infirmary is for. What? Yeah. We're starting in the senior infirmary because this is kind of one of the, 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 the first kind of interesting places to start. So it, it, it used to be the, the senior infirmary. It's now called the Columbus Center, I believe. It houses kind of various kind of religious groups, I think, related to the Catholic Church. I, I think still that that's what it, it, it is used as now, but it did used to be a hospital. The nuns there were the Sisters of Charity. Problem with that is that my my vision of nuns is currently occupied by the posters I've seen on buses in central Dublin of like that new film, The Nun 2. <laughs> <laughs> with that like demonic nun so every time you mention like an order of nuns i just think of these like teethy monsters yeah you know what like you, you might not be wrong <laughs> you know like the, these are called the sisters of charity but uh they were also known as the butterfly nuns because of their distinctive headdresses oh that's kind of sweet yeah obviously with this building being an infirmary you would expect that there's been a lot of death here mm. And it, I think it was open for about 200 years. Obviously, a lot of death happened there and probably a lot of gruesome stuff, especially when you're dealing with students and things like that, you know, vulnerable kind of people. Mm-hmm. And so one night, one of the nuns was locking up. Uh, she closed all the doors and she heard noises upstairs, which you wouldn't obviously expect. She went upstairs to investigate and when she came back down, all of the doors were open again. Ooh. So this happened three times. After the last time, she was understandably panicked and decided to go and wake the mother superior uh the 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 head nun and she went to investigate as well and i I think through their investigation they decided that there was something wrong maybe evil about maria going on yeah (laughs) you know maybe some maybe a little little bit of uh poltergeist activity yeah sounds like it yeah so she was very concerned and uh called a priest you know the lucky thing about being in maneath in a seminary is that there weren't exactly a, a shortage of priests to come deal with the problem. Throw a stone and hit three of them. Exactly. So she called a priest and the priest came and decided to exercise the entire building. Oh, good God. <laughs> yeah. And apparently that dealt with the problem. The, the doors didn't randomly open again uh, past that. So I mentioned this infirmary as our starting point because we're going to kind of come back here a few times throughout. Okay. Following then the infirmary, directly across from the infirmary, uh, infirmary is the Aula Maxima or the, the large hall. Okay. It's one of those buildings that kind of stands out. It's kind of got this, at nighttime anyway, it's got this kind of like dark shape that kind of cuts through the air. Mm-hmm. Right. It's basically a kind of a theater for the university, but it's also where if you graduate from the college, you've graduated in this building. Oh, okay. So they hold all of their like kind of like official ceremonies and things there. I think the choir practices there. As I said, there's like a drama side to it as well. The theater is there. And back in the day when it was a seminary, it was still used as a theater, but it was uh, once a week, like the the priests and stuff would be brought into the Ella Maxima and a film would be put on for them to watch. So it's, it's a pretty active building. Probably nothing interesting. No, probably not. I wouldn't imagine they were exactly watching The Exorcist or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's actually quite a nice building, but it, it is known as kind of one of the, the spookier spots uh, in the college. Mm-hmm. So security guards have apparently heard noises from the inside of the building. Most commonly, uh, the sound of the piano that sits side stage uh, playing on its own. Ooh. 
And every time they've went in to investigate, there's nobody there. Oh, that's creepy. And and this happens consistently. Like, it still apparently happens now. This is kind of the most common uh, occurrence from this building is hearing the piano playing. And are they playing a piano version of, like, Britney Spears' Toxic? Most likely, you know. Yeah. Uh, m- most likely. I would imagine that is probably what they're playing. I-, I can't think of anything else that they'd be interested in playing. Uh, no, I can't either. <laughs> yeah. So the interesting thing about the, the piano as well playing is that People have reported, the ones who've heard it, that it's playing, like, quite well. Oh, right. When you go in and see the piano, apparently there's not even any pedals on the piano. So you're not getting that, like, range... But apparently the, the ghost who plays the piano does. Oh, because they're using like the ghostly past of the piano. You know, they're, they're, they're playing through the piano, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, this, this place does have a lot of stories, as I've said, and they all link back to one specific person. In 1940s, the building was used by the seminarians at this point, so the, the junior priests. Mm-hmm. And if you look up outside the building, there's this, there's a window and there's this kind of central window. That's about 12 feet off the ground. Mm -hmm. A man reportedly fell out of that and didn't, he didn't survive. He he died shortly afterwards. Oh, you pointed this out to us. I remember this window. Yeah. The interesting thing about this is that this building is literally directly across from where the infirmary would be. So this guy would have fallen out and would have been literally brought across the fucking path to the hospital. Oh, wow. So yeah, this this guy fell out the window in the 40s and and died. But what led to him falling out the window is what we're going to talk about. Okay. As I said, the building is, you know, in the 40s, it's been used by the seminarians. And up on the stage, which is still there, there used to be the screen that would, would be used to show films. Mm. And the, the priests would come in once a week to, to look at their films. So the priests come in and they decide to look at their film. And every week, someone is basically like chosen out of the group to sit up in the projection room. Okay. To basically put the film in and then keep an eye on the projector to, you know, make sure that it runs and, and then things like that. So, you know, what a projectionist does, basically. Yeah. So the projection room is there. This is where the the, the people would go. They'd put in the film. They'd look at the film. And they'd just kind of sit up there, keep, keep an eye on things. This is where this unfortunate young priest kind of met his end. As I said, one seminarian would be appointed to sit in the box and project the film. And this particular week, the unlucky man was chosen. When he went to use the machine, uh, there was a fault. And somehow he managed to be horrifically electrocuted. Oh, jeez. And in the way that he was writhing back in agony, he managed to fall out the window that I previously mentioned and broke his back in the fall. So it's about a 12-foot fall. And was obviously horrifically injured as well from the electrocution. Mm -hmm. He was brought across the infirmary and was died, uh, unfortunately. Was diagnosed dead. Diagnosed dead. So he is the one that said to play the piano. He apparently turns up and is a bit mischievous, but not sinister in any way. He kind of just likes to kind of like play pranks, I guess. Mm -hmm. So still to this day, there's a chair that's put on top of the projector box. People say that's where he sits and um, he likes to watch the plays and such. The chair is always there, crucially. And supposedly you can remove it, go downstairs and at some point the chair will find its way back up on top of the projection box again oh i like that so yeah there's kind of stories then that have come from that then of uh groups of students particularly two students from a drama society they went upstairs to get something the projection room i think now is kind of used as like a storage room Mm -hmm. one of the students went to open the door to the projection box and she put her hand on the kind of the, the knob of the door and as she opened it she saw a face in there and obviously panicked she fled and ran away and no one knows what happened you know where the face came from and such and people have kind of just accepted that it's this ghost kind of playing 
tricks and kind of being a little bit more mischievous. It's interesting to me, the idea of a, like there being kind of this ghost story of a priest, but like ghosts kind of don't fit into like the biblical version of the afterlife. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really interesting, the kind of like almost cognitive dissonance dissonance that's there. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting kind of idea because yeah, as you said, ghosts don't really kind of come into it, but you'll kind of notice that there's there's a lot of stuff going on in in the university here that you would kind of think that maybe there's something kind of more sinister going on and that's the reason why ghosts are kind of being kept here okay but another story just of this this specific ghost the drama society were apparently putting on a production of dracula Mm -hmm. as opening night was approaching they kept experiencing technical difficulties so the lights were wired up they'd kind of like turn up the faders to turn the lights on and nothing would happen so apparently they ripped everything out rewired the entire place and again nothing finally they called in a professional electrician he looked at every piece of wiring said it was all sound all perfect he ripped it all out redid it himself again nothing worked Ooh. i, I mean i guess because this this ghost doesn't fuck around with electricity <laughs> No, exactly. Having been electrocuted. Yeah, he, he's not a fan of the electricity. No. So it's it's said that apparently a junior priest heard about this and decided to bring in a copy of the Roman Ritual, which is a book mm-hmm. used in performance of exorcisms. So he took the book and basically started reading passages from it, the, the I suppose the relevant ones. He read the passages, specifically read them in Latin, and supposedly the minute he said the word amen, the lights came back on. Oh, at, at that point, the ghost was like, all right, I guess they're not like they brought in the exorcist i guess they're not fucking around yeah exactly so people think that yeah this was ghost playing tricks on them others have said that the 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 ghost was forced to do this and they're saying that he was forced to do it because apparently earlier that year someone had said that uh and i quote what are we doing performing in this heap This is apparently the ghost's way of punishing them for talking shit about his building. Yeah. And supposedly the uh, a director of one of the plays also spoke poorly about the building. And when he came in the building on his own one day, apparently pieces of the roof fell on his head. Jeez. Yeah. That's not. That's more than mischievous. That's that's a bit sinister. I, I think he was okay. I think it was more just like a watch your fucking mouth. Ah, wasn't enough to like KO him. No, no, no. It was more just a he got he got a good spooking. Hmm. That's that's the story of the the Aula ghost as he's known. Kind of you know an interesting idea of this ghost being a little bit more mischievous than as I said sinister. Y- yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a bit more peevesy than the demony. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of assuming because he was like a priest like student rather than a full priest you know maybe that's why he's still hanging around as a ghost rather than if he was just a full-on priest he's probably he he has other shit to do in the afterlife yeah he's got like heavenly choirs to sing in or whatever for sure they think's going on yeah and also you know let's be honest if he's a, a student priest He's probably like anywhere between like eighteen to like twenty two or twenty three. Oh yeah, and that that's that's a volatile age. Hmm. So yeah, of course he's just gonna hang around just fucking with students and things like that. But yeah, it's it's an interesting idea that he's just kind of just he, he's just there to have a good time. You know, he he's not yeah. he's not looking to cause any any issues uh, unless it's electricity. Then you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, because it fucked him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I wonder what film they were actually showing or planning on showing. I was just thinking that. I was like, I bet it was something really benign, like The Wizard of Oz or something. Or Mass. Oh God. Just <laughs> Mass from the previous Sunday. God, brilliant. Throwing a bit of Mass there. Yeah. Ah, uh, I loved last week's in person. That'll be great to watch it filmed. Yeah. <laughs> The cinematography is fantastic. Yeah, his altar work is just next to none. <laughs> oh, look at the angle they've got on the Eucharist there. The way he moves around the altar and just, you know, holds that cup. Flawless. 
So yeah, so that that's the Ella Maxima uh, and, and our little spooky friend that chills in there with the piano. Mm. I'd love the idea of him playing real kind of like ragtime music. You know, like I real... was just about to say, was he playing like the entertainer? Da, 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 da. I'd love that, like really uppity, like ragtime music, like kind of like uh, Old West saloon style music, basically. Yes. <laughs> It'd be brilliant. I'd love that. Uh, I, I will say, having walked past the Ella Maxima quite a lot at nighttime, uh, I've never heard this, but you know. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I'm, I'm not the authority on, on these things. No. And and to be fair, you weren't talking shit about it at the time. So, you yeah. That is true. I, I wouldn't want to talk shit about the Ella Maxima either. Especially the spooky friends that chills in there. Mm-hmm. So, moving past the Ella Maxima then, we get to the Contemplative Garden of, of Maneath, um, Which is now, it used to be available to people to kind of go sit at. It's this kind of like pond with like water features and stuff around it. Okay. It used to be available to students to, to kind of sit there and chill. But I think it's fenced off now mm-hmm. for obviously safety reasons and things like that but when we get to the contemplative garden it it is this really kind of just peaceful area but around certain parts of the campus it's not been as peaceful as you would hope uh and there is one strange occurrence that occurred here that uh i know you're going to love yeah so the story kind of is linked to the senior infirmary that I was talking about. Right. So the story comes from the 1980s. The Sisters of Charity, who were the the, the nuns, uh, were kind of fewer in number at this stage, but they still administered to the sick and kind of looked after them. Yeah, yeah. One of these nuns passed away. She was quite old. Uh, she was kind of, I suppose, one of the, one of the senior ones. You know, she'd been around for she'd been around the block a few times. She didn't fuck. You know, she. No, she'd seen some shit. Yeah, she's seen some shit. So a senior staff member went to her funeral, and uh, as all our funeral to go uh, in the pub after the funeral the staff member ran into her niece who was a woman in her 40s uh, i don't know why that's key to the story but it was mentioned oh you know details are details yeah absolutely and she told him a story that her aunt the nun who had died uh, had told her as she, and as, as the man put it she was a solid woman and she wasn't away with the fairies as others might be ah yeah okay um, so she believes this story, though, apparently, but she didn't talk about it, crucially, I think, uh, in work. So in an in, in undetermined period of time, at some point before the, the 80s, six o'clock, one bright and airy morning, I, I have heard that it's probably around like wintertime. Mm-hmm. The sister was walking past the chapel up around the, the contemplative garden, heading towards a building called Loftus Hall. OK, wait, 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 Loftus Hall, that... Yeah. Not Loftus Hall, like... Yeah, same spelling, like, name, uh, and everything as our previous episode of Loftus Hall. Damn, okay. Mm-hmm. So, as all nuns do, she was walking along saying the rosary to herself. Naturally. Um, yeah, naturally, because she doesn't have anything else to do. And in the distance, as she's approaching uh, Loftus Hall... Sorry, I should explain to you, Loftus Hall is now a lecture theatre. But yeah, so she sees this man in the distance in his robes, which, obviously, it's not unusual in a seminary. There's lots of people wearing robes. As, uh, as I said, she was, obviously, saying the rosary his attention was focused on the bible that he was holding in his hands and and reading so you know it's just two two holy people just doing their things doing holy things Uh, but he was kind of standing where she needed to go so as she was coming quite close to him she was close enough that she decided that it would be polite to call out good morning to him okay the man turned to her and in place of a face all that was there was a skull Ooh, i like that in place of hands were bare skeletal fingers he basically just stared at her she decided that obviously this was no man but from what she could tell it was a manifestation of death itself oh naturally i was about to say this is like terry pratchett's death yeah so as she got closer to him he just disappeared just gone so as she described herself as a sensible woman she said to herself i must be asleep i must be dreaming i didn't just see death walking behind loftus hall 
Right. So she decides to just put it out of her mind, try to move on from this, and she she pushes past the the building, uh, Loftus Hall. Mm-hmm. So this guy had just vanished, and and she's just decided that it's it obviously didn't happen. She just assumed she was seeing things, and as anyone would, I suppose, in this situation, she tried to just rationalize to herself what she'd seen. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean it would be what most people would do. Yeah. So as she's walking past the building, though Loftus Hall, she hears this horrific and like loud, as she described terrifying noise Mm -hmm. and she thought to herself it's six o'clock in the morning who could be awake at this hour thought it might perhaps be a group of seminarians up to some sort of mischief or trying to like prank her basically yeah so she thought that they might be banging all of their desks at the same time and slamming doors and basically making this horrific noise from inside of the building so she knew for certain that students weren't usually up that early but she also knew that students would get up this early to basically play pranks and things like that right so she decided to go into the building that this guy had disappeared in front of she looked in the windows of the building first and couldn't see anyone but the noise was still going on and it was like getting louder and louder Mm -hmm. as she opens the door to go into the building to basically shout at the students as soon as she opens the door to look in the noise stops immediately and as she looks in the door yeah as she looks in the door there's no one in the building (gasps) so she doesn't know what happened she she has no idea and as i said she didn't really tell anyone this story she told her niece but but that was it right and that's her story you know she's she saw death itself just chilling outside the building and when she went to investigate further he disappeared so we don't know if it's death that was making those noises in the building maybe trying to like draw her in or if it was a ghost that got all uppity because death had just been there (laughs) a ghost that got uppity yeah an, an, an uppity ghost basically being like no fuck you you know yeah no i'm already dead what are you gonna do about it fuck yeah you think you're so cool death why don't you come and do something about it huh <laughs> just like that y- you already fucking got me the first time you're not getting me again yeah so yeah that that's our our nun story seeing death you know i i if i was gonna call this story anything i'd go with what they've called it in the book which is the sister's secret Ooh, that's great yeah i love it uh moving on then from the contemplative garden we move further down the, the campus towards which is quite funny to say the graveyard there there is a graveyard uh in in the college because you know as you'd expect with it being a seminary people died people died and they were buried there which is you know kind of sad you know in in a sense you know they, they go to study there they spend their entire life there and then when they die they're buried there and that's it and, and that is it the interesting thing about this graveyard which i love is that for some reason the in the past they decided that they would grow uh, yew trees okay down the entire path of the graveyard but that they would bend them so that they kind of crisscross over the path oh like the dark hedges yeah and they've basically created this like super just really really creepy path leading up to the the, the the entrance to the graveyard nice and then naturally right at the right at the entrance is this life-size crucifix oh, just, just right at the entrance there because that's that'll put you at ease 100 percent, and naturally a, a roman torture device exactly and naturally when you're walking there at night you know if you're even just walking past the graveyard not going in you know you turn and you look you just see this fucking just a terrifyingly dark corridor leading down to this giant crucifix at the entrance it's a bit of a sinister kind of vibe to it um interesting all the same yeah when we get to the graveyard there's not a huge amount there obviously except for graves you know there's there's some unmarked graves Mm -hmm. there's a crypt there for a priest that was apparently terrified of being buried alive so they they built a crypt there for him and they buried him in there with a one-sided door that could only be opened from the 
inside. Oh. And he never opened the door himself. So we're to assume that he did actually die. There's a lot of superstition going around in this place that believes in like heaven and hell. Yeah, I, I, I know. But yeah, there's, 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 there's quite a few graves there. Yeah, as I said, there are some unmarked graves there. And there are some dated, the, the unmarked graves from 1842 to 1845. And they kind of form the core of the final story which I'm about to bring you to. And I'd like okay. to point out that these these graves are very much so there for, for anyone that's doubting this. They are unmarked though, which is the, the key thing. So I've, I've mentioned these unmarked graves from 1842 to 1845 because they are the reason why Maynooth is so famous for ghost stories. Right. They are linked to room number two, which is in Rhetoric House and is known on the campus as the Blood Room. Ooh. So the blood room, rhetoric house, or room number two, whatever you want to call it, it used to be this, it used to be student accommodation, basically. Students would, would, would stay there. Right. Each of the students would have their own room. It was no, no bunking back in the day. You know, you got your own, you got your own room. God, man, we've really gone downhill. <laughs> I know. As you approach Rhetoric House, you can actually see the, the room I'm talking about. It's the, there's there's three kind of windows outside it. And the middle one, basically, you can see from the outside, it's boarded up. From the very moment you start in first year, you're told the story of the blood room, basically. And that it's boarded up and no one uses the room anymore. And, it, you know, it's locked off from the rest of the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not the case. It, it is actually used, basically, as like a, a photocopy room now. Oh, okay. <laughs> but crucially, it's not used as student. The banality of evil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's not used as a, as a student accommodation anymore because in 1842, a new student came to Maynooth, did his entrance exams. I saw him described as an unremarkable student, not incredibly talented, but by no means a poor student. Okay, so pretty mid. Yeah, just as average student trying to be a priest. So he apparently seemed to struggle with his work in the first few weeks and every day seemed to be struggling just that little bit more and was apparently like very clearly like neglecting his studies. Right. He would even go so far as to not be seen at mass which... Ooh, yeah. Like, that's that's a biggie at a seminary. You're training to be a priest. But you had to get your ass to mass. <laughs> yeah, you're training to be a priest. Yeah, you're fucking around there by not going to mass. And some days he wouldn't even come down for any of his meals. Some people said that he seemed to be a bit depressed and he apparently claimed to the, the chaplain that he was being tormented. The chaplain kind of pushed a little bit further and he apparently was adamant that he was being tormented by the devil. No one really kind of believed this and they basically just put it down to this is just kind of an angsty student that's maybe getting a bit in over his head and he's trying to just pretty much just make an excuse to you know the church that it's the devil so they'll kind of give him a, a pass uh the old devil excuse yeah probably trying to assume that if he says it's the devil in a seminary that people will be quite sympathetic to him and be like oh you know don't worry it's okay you know we'll look after you we'll, we'll help yeah yeah just you know just student things so one night he was downstairs and was kind of talking about things and was talking about how he was being tormented but didn't say much else after that and he went up and went off to bed uh the next morning the head count was done in Pugin Hall which is the kind of the cafeteria area I suppose still in in the college now he didn't come down for breakfast so at the time this was classed as like the junior house Mm -hmm. so all the youngest seminarians slept on the top floor the oldest ones slept closer towards the chapel and the the dean of the house basically was furious with this lad like apparently he had been causing issues like this quite consistently and he just decided he'd had enough so he went storming upstairs to the guy's room as he said ready to beat him black and blue (laughs) jeez i quote to tear lashes off of him and as the dean 
basically burst into the room. The student was lying there in his nightshirt in a pool of his own blood with his throat slit ear to ear. Oh, he, so, oh, who would, okay, no, no, I guess I have to do the rest of this because I have so many questions. Okay. So as I saw it described then, quote, it was a tragedy, but not much else was thought of it after that. Oh God, you know, it was like, well, that's sad. And then that was it. Uh, yeah. So I think the logic is that they're trying to say that, you know, if you have enough young people in one place for long enough, like tragedies do unfortunately occur, especially in kind of university settings and things like that. Tragedy's one thing, but throat slitting, that's a, that's another thing. Oh, I, I agree. But I, I think it's kind of just putting it down to he was depressed and that was it. So they just kind of didn't, just didn't talk about it. So they think he slit his own throat? That's commitment. Yeah. So they, they decided it was a, a suicide. So they decided to close off room two for two or three years, basically, until the boys who'd been in the classes had moved to the other side of campus and weren't going to pass on the story to new residents, which I, mm. I see the logic there. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to kind of uh, shut the story down before it kind of grows legs. So in 1845, three years later, uh, a second new student uh, who was a freshman was put into the room to sleep here. Again, pretty average student, not top of the class or anything, but he wasn't struggling. It's just as regular dude, just a just a guy being a dude. Yeah, just a guy being a dude. He was Kenuff. He he was Kenuff. Uh, he was comfortable with it. You know, one night he went to bed. The next morning, head count was done again in Pugin Hall, and again, student was missing from room number two. The dean stormed across the campus to basically get him out of bed. Right. And when he entered room number two, exactly the same as before, he found the student lying in a pool of blood with his throat slit. Oh. So the great graveyard that I mentioned earlier, those two freshmen were buried in those unmarked graves that I mentioned because they were viewed as suicides and they didn't get buried with their full rights because obviously suicide at the time was a, a sin. You, you've got to be joking me, like slitting your own throat. That's like the same, the exact same way. That's, oh, I've watched too much Criminal Minds. I'm like, oh, I'm already profiling the killer. So finally then, uh, 18 years after the first incident in 1860, a third young trainee priest was housed in that room. Mm -hmm. Apparently the, the college themselves had forgotten why no one used the room. They had forgotten. Yeah, they claimed they'd forgotten anyway. They just knew that something had happened there and the room was just not used. Right. But obviously they had enough students that they kind of went like, we need to put someone in there because we won't have space otherwise. Towards the beginning uh, of his time studying in Maynooth, apparently he had what they described as a most awful night. According to his account, he was shaving and he all of a sudden felt this overwhelming urge to use the razor to slit his throat. Ooh. And when he looked into the mirror, he could see Satan standing behind him. Hey, our boy! So he claims that the devil himself was standing directly behind him, urging him to take his own life. This is the devil definitely being more serious than in, like, he's not playing cards this time. He's, he's out for blood. For sure. He's not the playful devil uh, gambling. No. He's turned up to a seminary and is getting priests to kill themselves. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a different day of the week. <laughs> yeah. So the only thing that this student decided that he could do, the only thing that he could think he, he could do was to jump out the window into the yard rather than obviously slitting his throat. He broke both of his legs and his arm but managed to actually survive and the priest basically came around, the, the Monsignor came and the boy told him his story. So the priest basically decided at the time then, the senior priest basically surmised that this must have been what happened to the two previous students. Yeah. They basically like succumbed to Satan's influence and slit their throat. So, so it was, yeah, this is, this is pissing me off. It's a bit victim shaming. Like you're still blaming them for like succumbing to the devil. 
example. Yep, exactly. So yeah, they basically said that the students either weren't strong enough or panicked and or didn't think that they could jump out the window basically mm-hmm. and, and kill themselves. So this basically, I think from, from what I gather, it wasn't talked about. And it was decided though from that point onwards that no student should ever be put into that room again. Right. Now, the reason why it's called the blood room is there is still a stain on the floor <gasps> and people have decided that that is the blood stains from the two students that had killed themselves. Oh, creepy. I love it. The blood stains supposedly stand exactly where the washing basin was when it was still used as a room. Oh, that's some, so, and so now people just stand on the blood stain making copies. Yeah. That that is that is office culture 2023. <laughs> it is. So, in 1860, so this is yeah, the same year of that third student, a paper was actually signed allowing the removal of the front wall of the room. Mm-hmm. A section of arch was put into the room and a statue of St. Joseph was placed where the window used to be, basically transforming it into a small chapel. Okay. And they basically, Maynooth decided collectively that it wouldn't ever be used as a bedroom again. Fair enough. Because I mean, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on you. But fool me three times and we won't use it as a bedroom anymore. <laughs> exactly. So the statue of St. Joseph actually is still there to this day. You can kind of, yeah, you can see the room. Like you, you can go up there and then see it yourself. Cool. I I mean, like, not cool that they died, but I mean, it's interesting that you can still go see the the room and everything. Yeah, yeah. and above the altar that that's still there, they inscribed the phrase, uh, obviously in Latin, Oh Lord, preserve us from sudden and unprepared death. Oh, okay. Very specific. Yeah, exactly. So just as one final addition to this story, uh, and the one, I suppose, that everyone knows as part of it. So shortly after all these events, but before the room was converted, a young bishop decided that he needed to stay in the room to basically investigate what had happened. He was just a, he was a spooky AF fan before we were going. Oh, he was like he he was ready. He probably came with his like you know all his ghost hunting equipment, his Bible, his crucifix, his holy water. He was ready to go. So he he'd heard the stories and decided that something should be done about it. At the very least, they uh, a senior staff member basically should stay there and, and and investigate. So him being a bishop decided that he was probably the best qualified for the job. Mm-hmm. He came out the next morning. Apparently, his hair had turned turned white. Ah, great. He supposedly never spoke of his experience again, but apparently did mention to one colleague that when he stayed in the room, that Satan appeared to him. And basically, he did battle with Satan for the entire night, effectively trying to like ward him off. And in doing this, his hair turned completely white. This kind of brings up the haunted house paradox of like, why don't you just leave the house? Yeah, I know. I suppose he maybe felt like he couldn't leave. Yeah, I guess, you know, but not long after this specific night that the bishop stayed there that's when the decision was made that it would be t- taken out of rotation as a bedroom and turned into a chapel okay so that's kind of where it leaves us then so the, the as i said the it's no longer a bedroom you, you can still go there and there is supposedly the the blood stain there which is apparently exactly where washington basin used to be so mm-hmm. it does kind of give it a little bit and and as i said you know there is that paper as well that was signed saying that the room would be never again to be used as a bedroom yeah and now now the copy machine just makes really weird copies it's like everything is like written backwards yeah written backwards and upside down yeah in some sort of like ancient version of latin yes in like a uh like a latin-esque script yeah but that that draws to a conclusion the stories of uh Maneuth that i have chosen there there are more
war stories. Stories, as I said, of cursed footpaths and in ancient times when the castle was there of like mass hangings and stuff that took place. So there, there is still a lot to Maynooth, but I, I've just chosen, the, I suppose, the, the highlights. Yeah, no, they're really interesting. And like they, they all have a, I mean, a lot of it can be contributed to like I, life in a seminary must not have been very interesting in the 19th century. So like there, there could be some boredom like. Yeah, for sure. You know, like I'd say this definitely has something to do with it. Yeah. I think the nun seeing death himself is an interesting one. It is. Particularly considering where it is. Like, it's seminary, you know? Yeah, and, and like, I mean, yeah, it's it's all, like, the fact that it was a seminary and, like, or, and part convent kind of place just makes it a really uh, rife ground for these kind of stories and makes gives it an extra flavor for sure. Well, yeah, totally. You know, and, and then on top of that as well, we also have, you know, our little spooky boy just playing pranks on people in, in his room, you know, uh, piano and stuff like that. And then we've got some activities from our other spooky boy, the devil, that we do not agree with. <laughs> Playing cards and shooting through the roof is one thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like ro- rocket rocket devil's fun. Like slit your throat devil's not so fun. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely a different a, a different version of the devil that we've not seen yet. I'm assuming it's because it's a seminary that he's kind of like, this is the biggest middle finger that he can give to God possible. Yeah. Getting young priests to kill themselves definitely kind of sends a message. For sure. Uh, as well with that, you know, those unmarked graves are there students did die Mm -hmm. so it it does kind of lend some credence to the whole kind of story around it yeah so that kind of um that concludes Maynooth and all things college you know I would strongly encourage people to look into this if they can I think there's still maybe walking tours that goes on around kind of October November you know the the kind of the premium time of the year for it yeah would make sense but it is it is a a cool cool spot which is very very interesting and, and obviously it's steeped in some pretty sinister heinous uh, history so yeah but um yeah as i said that 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 concludes it for today you know i i hope everyone enjoyed it Suze, do you have any any final thoughts on the on the matter i mean it's it's interesting i i just think that like anywhere where there's like hyper religious people there's gonna be some um interesting goings on and the supernatural kind of realm of things because they're so like embedded in the afterlife and mm. and what what's involved in getting there and all of that that i think that like there's they're going to be echoes of weird shit spin like kind of spiraling out around it and so i think yeah it's really interesting yeah totally yeah yeah i think if you're kind of steeped in that all the time it's only natural that that sort of stuff would start to manifest itself i mean and i'm i'm a little sad that like the devil is then like a nefarious character in this one and not not a fun jaunty one it did kind of bring me some sadness to have to to report on this yeah. version of the devil. But I'm sure we'll find some other fun ones. Yeah, there's, there's I'm sure there's more fun stories of the devil out there than uh, ones of him getting priests to kill themselves. Yeah, that's a big rim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hope everyone has a has had a fun time listening to this one, and you know I, I hope you all have a lovely weekend ahead of you. And if you have any of your own stories from Manute University, please do share them with us. I'm I would be more than happy to do a follow up episode with some personal stories from from people who've had their own experiences there absolutely that's it from us today guys i hope you all as i said have a great weekend and we'll see you in the next one see you guys bye bye